You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Last week, we're in this worship series this whole summer. And so the month of June, we're focusing on why. We need to understand the why in order to really get it kind of into our core of what it is and how we worship. If we don't know the why, just like kids ask all the time, why, why, why? We need to understand why so that when we do worship, it is in alignment with how we were made. We were made to worship. We were designed to worship, and that's next Sunday. But this Sunday is all about who God is. When we understand who God is, our response will be worship. It will. It'll be reverent fear. It'll be adoration. It will be honor, not feeling-based, but based on the truth of who God is. Last week, we talked about the word worth-ship, worth, that there is no other worth higher than God. And so worth is all about giving the highest value and the highest worth to the only one who is deserving of it. This is why we live right now. We've seen even through all of biblical history, from the beginning of the fall, we see idol worship, people putting value and worth on other things than God. And that's called idol worship. And it doesn't please God. It actually does the opposite. And so we need to be very careful in our lives of what we place worth and value on. And so if worship If worship is simply responding to God's greatness, we said it last week based on uh, uh, Psalm 96, where it says, ascribe to the Lord glory and honor. That word ascribe was broken down into three words. So say see, say see with your eyes, see. Say understand, understand, and say acknowledge, acknowledge. So to give worth to God, to respond to God is to see understand and acknowledge the worth of God. So let's just say this. If it is seeing and understanding and acknowledging the greatness and worth of who God is, if worship truly is rooted in who God is, then wouldn't you agree, dads, that it's absolutely essential to understand more and more of who God is? Dads, So let me say this again so dads understand and then everyone's gonna have a chance to respond. If worship is truly about seeing and understanding and acknowledging the worth of God, then don't you think that it's important for us to know more and more of who God is? How are you to worship a God that you truly don't know? A marriage does not grow deeper in strength relationship and intimacy if you don't know the incredible wow moments and the things about your spouse. 
Why do you think marriages don't last when they're focused on the things they don't like? They think of the things that annoy them, the things that bother them more than this is the nature of the person I'm married. Right, Mary and Warren, 50 years in. You don't hear them speaking negative about each other. They speak about the nature of who God created each of them to be. That's the beauty of marriage, and that's the beauty of our relationship of worship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. And that's why I love that we sing lyrics on the screen, because the lyrics lead you to understand and respond to who God is. We need prompters today. We, we, we need reminders today. They didn't have screens 100 years ago, 50 years ago. I remember when I was a kid 30 years ago, and they had the, what they called the overhead projector. My kid doesn't even understand what an overhead projector is anymore. And before that, they didn't have screens. They walked out of their house and said, whoa, God is God. And so today, we're going to look at just a few, six of the key nature principles of God, who God is, not just what he does or not just an attribute, but who God is. And I believe as you start to not just see with your eyes who God is and not just fully understanding the nature of God, but to start to acknowledge the nature of God, it will change how you worship. It will. It will change how you worship. And how you worship will determine how God responds. It's a beautiful thing. And so let's pray real quick before we get into this. Father, oh, you are so good. I pray that you would just quiet my distracted mind. And I pray that your word, your word will speak. In Jesus' name, amen. If I can be vulnerable and honest with you, I'm distracted because I really messed up. I was supposed to make an announcement <laughs> before I started the message. And so I just need to do that because it's my distracted mind or else I'm not going to be able to focus. So 4th of July is coming up. I got to say it. And uh, we put out to everybody to bring some uh, ideas for the float. And uh, we selected one and we've been able to kind of partner with the person who brought the idea. Xander Scott in... I know he's around. Is he in the back? Andrew Scott gave this idea, and we kind of morphed it together. And can you show on the slide? It's called this. It's fight fire. Fight fire. In the family fight night, we were talking about our weapons of warfare, and it just seems to be a theme going on in our church, and so it just fits so well. And 2 Corinthians 10.4 says our spiritual weapons, just like I said to dads, but tearing down strongholds. That's from that verse. Our spiritual weapons are not earthly, but they're spiritual and they're powerful in destroying strongholds. And so we're going to have a float. I can't wait to share it with you with a cross. 
And, and, and the theme, the theme is fire it up in honor of the fire department. So we thought, how about we be gospel-centered and we take that theme? So we're going to have a cross and we're going to have a fire hose attached to the cross and we're going to have uh, adults and children with this on their t-shirts, fight the fire, and they're going to be fighting the arrows and the, the uh, attacks of the enemy on a fire backdrop to talk about fear, lies, addiction, darkness, you name it. And so we're going to pray, everyone who's in the parade float with us, our purpose is we're just going to pray as we walk. We're going to smile, we're going to hand out candy, but we're going to pray for our town that strongholds will start coming down. Amen? Are you with me? And so why I wanted to say that before the message is we have clipboards in the front. So there's no one in the front. So Kevin, could you grab that one? Teresa, could you grab that one? Jody, grab that one. Um, Lauren, could you grab that one? We're just going to pass the clipboards during the service. And there's several different things we need from you. We are doing a firework viewing party that evening for the community. And we're inviting everyone to come out. We're doing free hot dogs and water. And what we need from you guys, too, is uh, we need people to serve hot dogs and serve that. We need people to stand at the entrances of the middle school and high school parking lot. It's a big ordeal, but it is all focused on getting people together. And we're going to do free raffles. So if you like to do gift baskets, or maybe you have a business where you could do a free gift card or something like that, please write your name down, and we'll get a hold of you in the next week or two. So I just wanted to get that out to you. Um, and make sure we do that. Also, every 4th of July, bring in candy, if you think of it, uh, to donate to the parade. Um, that helps us on the budget end, so we don't have to spend, it's a lot of money to spend on candy. And so uh, if you could help us out, great. Just the next two Sundays, bring that in. Are we all good? Yeah. Can we refocus? Can you refocus with me? So we're talking about the nature of God. And when we understand the nature of God, it causes us to respond accordingly with a heart of worship. The nature of God. We worship God for who he is. We worship God for how we feel. No. We worship God for what he's done, yes, but we also worship God for what he hasn't done. Okay? So let's just get into this, and there's six points. So friends... Get your phones out, go ahead and uh, take pictures, take notes, because I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you, but I've got one Sunday to do it. And so let's just get into it now. So number one, the key nature of God, number one, everything else trickles down, is he is holy. God is holy. God is perfect in every way. Holy means set apart. Look at this, Exodus 20, verse 3. You must not have any other gods beside me. He is set apart from all creation. You must not have any other gods before me. Psalm 95, 3. For the Lord is great. He's a great God and a great king above all gods. There is no other God but him. The Apostle Paul spent 
his ministry career talking to so many pagans and, 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 and places and Corinth and Ephesus and all over that were worshiping false gods. And he always brought their attention to the holiness of God. There is no one holy but God. God is clearly separate from his creation on his nature and attributes of holiness. Holiness is the foundation of all other aspects of God. If you get one, actually there's two, the last one, but God is holy. He is holy. Look at Revelations 15, 4, the angels, the elders around the throne say, you, Christ, God, are holy. You alone, you alone are holy. Revelation 4, 8 says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That's another nature coming up here. Hebrews 12, 29 tells us that God's holiness makes him a consuming fire. It says, therefore, since we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let's worship him with pure hearts for God is a consuming fire. And there's many other scriptures if you're taking notes, Psalms 99.9, Psalm 33.21, and I'm going fast. Just listen to it this week, Psalm 77, Psalm 89.18, Psalm 105.3. God is holy. So what we're going to do through these six points, at the end of each point, all of us together are going to say this, and it's in red. Let's say it together. Ready? God, we worship you, for you are holy. Let's try it one more time. God, we worship you, for you are holy. He's holy. Number two, God is righteous. He is right in all ways. He is all-powerful. Let's look at what falls under righteousness. God is just in all that he does. He's righteous. God is upright in all his ways. He's righteous. God operates with honesty. He's righteous. God always does what is right and appropriate for the moment, whether we agree with it or not. He is right and righteous. Psalm 89, 14 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Do you trust God? Because once we start to understand that he is holy and he is righteous, and we're going to go on, our trust should be only in this God. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before him. He is righteous. Psalm 97, the heavens proclaim his righteousness. And all people say all peoples. Guess who that includes? Raise your hand. Yeah. All people will see his glory. Righteousness oozes out of every part of who God is. Righteousness. Anything that's not righteous is not from his hand. Righteousness oozes from him because that's who God is. 1 Peter 5, one of my favorite verses, I have a lot of them, but one of my favorite is it says, humble yourself therefore 
under the mighty righteous hand of God, and in due season, he will lift you up. Always talks about God's righteous right hand. Powerful. Horses and chariots can't defeat it. Enemies and principalities can't destroy it. Are you in God's righteous right hand? Amen. So let's say this all together as we worship God. Here we go. God, we worship you for you are righteous. Now you say it. God, we worship you for you are righteous. Amen. He is holy. He is righteous. He is also eternal. He is eternal. It's so important to understand that God is eternal and it points directly to God's divine nature. Revelation 1.8 says, I, the Lord, am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is who always was and who still is to come, the Almighty One. He's eternal. Deuteronomy 6.4. I'm sorry, I, I, I have a humorous moment whenever I see Deuteronomy. Has anyone watched Medea when he says Deuteronomo? He can't say Deuteronomy, or, or she, De, De, yeah, Medea. So the Lord your God is one, one, eternal. He is one God who has always existed, always existed in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity God. If you don't worship the Trinity of God, you are worshiping the wrong God. It's very important. When different people come to your door and try to solicit a religion to you, a faith, a belief system that is not in God the Father, the Son Jesus, God, and God the Holy Spirit, do not worship that God. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God does not have a physical body, although Jesus left his throne in heaven and took on our form through an incarnate birth through the Holy Spirit. He took on our flesh. So Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, was in physical form. God has no beginning, and God has no end. He has been God. He is God, and he always will be God. There is one God, and we are not him. He is to be worshiped and feared by all creation. Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to the end, you are God. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you never heard elevation? Have you never understood, O oh people of Blanchester, 
the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. God is eternal. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Now that gets to a whole new level. God is eternal and so are we. He has planted eternity in our hearts, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end until we see him in eternity with our eternal spirits or soul. And that's why it's so important to understand that God's eternal nature has two major implications in our lives. Two. One, God is outside of our time, and he sees all human history, past, present, and future simultaneously. He sees all your suffering, all your pain, and all your loss before you even were a breath. He is eternal. He's holy and righteous and eternal. That's number one. He sees. He sees. He knows. And he is deeply invested in his creation. He sees. He sees you. He sees you right now in the depth of your pain, in the depth of your joy, in the depth of your success and losses. And he knows you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He knows you. And number two, God being eternal reminds us that we were created not for just this earthly life, but eternity with him. We were created for eternity, not for the amount of years you're living on this planet. We will spend forever either with our creator or separated from our creator forever. And that all depends on who takes responsibility for your sin, your fallen nature, nature. Nature of God is holy, righteous, eternal. Our nature is fallen, sinful, broken, disobedient rebellious. And that's where we have to understand God's wrath. And we'll get there in a minute. And so let's focus on his eternity and let's say this together. God, we worship you for you are eternal. Now you. God, we worship you for you are eternal. He's holy. He's righteous. He's eternal. And fourth, God by nature is sovereign. Sovereign. What does that mean? It means he's over all. He has all control. He orchestrates every beat of our heart. He flung the galaxies into place and knows them by name. Colossians 1 says that Christ 
is in all things. He created all things. He's before all things. And for him, all things exist. And by him, he holds all things together. That's sovereign. God is sovereign. God, in his sovereignty, is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. No one will destroy God. In his sovereignty, God is omniscient, all-knowing. You can't surprise God. Our government officials cannot surprise God. Russia, China, North Korea cannot surprise God. And the devil himself, named Satan, the prince of the air, Beelzebub, doesn't surprise God. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And God is omnipresent means he is always present. All of his ways are right, whether mankind believes God or not, or believes his ways to be fair or not. The Lord God is not constrained by a time or place. He has a plan. He has had it from eternity. And his purposes will be accomplished because God is sovereign. And we all say together, God, we worship you. Is it there? God, we worship you for you are sovereign. Now you say it loud and clear. Amen. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are sovereign, higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your ways. He's sovereign and we worship, be, worship him because he's holy. He's righteous, he's eternal, and he's sovereign. Number five, God is immutable, meaning God is never, ever changing. His nature never changes. You can take it to the bank every second of every day. He never changes. That's why the Bible says he is faithful, even when we are faithless. He remains faithful because God is never changing. That's who he is. Hebrews 13, he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Malachi, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 6, I am the Lord, God, and I do not change. James 1:17. it's on the screen. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes. He never changes, nor casts a shifting shadow. God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so my word, this is God speaking, my word will be that. With my word, I send it out, and it always produces fruit. 
That's why it's so important for us to read his divine word. Whenever that seed is planted in our hearts, it is guaranteed that it will produce fruit in our lives. It will accomplish all that I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus with a resounding yes. Let, let's try this. With a resounding Anita. There it is, everybody. And through Christ, our yes, 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 which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Thank you, Anita. This is the good news. This is the stinking good news. This means that all that God has promised to you and you and you and you and you and you and even you, Warren Beisline, and me will be fulfilled through Christ Jesus. Guys, his promises will never change. That's why I don't understand why people can be in a room of people praising God and not be moved to respond to God. But at least they're in the right place, right? So you are welcomed here every, every time. All right, let's keep moving. So God, we worship you, for you are never changing. Could you say that? God, we worship you, for you are never changing. Amen. God is holy. He is righteous. He is eternal. He is sovereign. And he never changes. Because of this, we must we must not overlook this one thing in the light of God's nature. His wrath towards sin. He is separate, has to be separate because of his nature from sin. Sin is the polar opposite of holiness and righteousness. It defiles the soul and separates us from the presence of God. Now listen, we have this struggle with why bad things happen to good people and why God would allow such things to happen to his creation. Wrath is not God's nature. It is his response to sin because of his nature. This is huge. God was not a God of wrath before the fall. Everything was good and perfect. There was no death. There weren't even thorns and thistles. Have you ever planted rose bushes? It's not fun. There weren't thorns and thistles. God is not a God of wrath because of his nature. He is a God of wrath because that is a response from his nature. He would not be the nature of God, holy, sovereign, righteous, eternal, 
if he didn't respond to sin with wrath. Now we're getting to the good nature of God that ties it all together. Starts with the letter L. But we need to understand that. That our sin, because of who God is, requires his wrath. God absolutely has a righteous anger towards sin. We see Psalm 711. Sorry, read 711. I'm thirsty for a Slurpee. I don't know why. Psalm 7, some of you got that who grew up in the 80s. God is a righteous judge. Sorry, it's Father's Day. I'm already getting my dad jokes going. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. Romans 3, 23 says, For you and I have all sinned and fallen short of God's nature, his glory. Now, if we stop there, Father's Day would absolutely stink. We'd have no reason to have hope. But God's nature doesn't stop with his response of wrath to sin. That should always cause us to worship and adore and lay our lives down before God because he didn't leave us there in his wrath. And this is only offered to us grace because of the final yet most incredible nature of God. But can we first worship him for being never changing? Can we say that one more time? God, we worship you for you are never changing. And now we would be lost and headed for complete wrath and judgment if it wasn't for the nature of God of being love. God is love in contrast to wrath. Wrath is a response because of his nature. The essence of who God is, is love. It's his essence. It's not an attribute. It's not even a characteristic. It's who he is. It, he is love. I'm going to throw several scriptures at you right now. Let's look at this. 1 John 4, verse 16. We know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in his love. Why? Because it's holy, it's righteous, it's sovereign, it's eternal, and never changing. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. It even goes in to say, if you do not have love, you are not in God. Because God is love. If God lives in you, then love flows out of you. If God is in you through the Holy Spirit, then your, his love will flow out. First, uh, excuse me, John chapter 3, verse 16. We love this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish eternally but have eternal life. Why? Because God is holy. God is righteous. God is eternal. God is sovereign. God is never changing. And God is love. 1 John 4. 
8 through 10. It's what I was just saying, but here it is anyway. But anyone who does not love God does not know God. Anyone that does not love does not know. Now, that, that also means that we are flawed. We live in a sinful body. But when God's presence is manifested in our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross, his love changes us. That's why we need to continue to repent and ask God's love to flow. Our sin blocks his love to flow in our lives, but our sin never blocks his love from us. Hello? Our sin in our lives, unconfessed and unrepented, blocks the flow of love through us, but your sin will never block his love from you because it flowed from the body of Jesus down the cross and it will never lose its power for you or for me. Why? Because God is holy. God is righteous. God is eternal. God is sovereign. God is never changing and God is love. This is real love, verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is love. And so we worship God because he's love. Can we say this together? God, we worship you for you are holy righteous, sovereign, eternal, never changing, and you are love. Lord, we receive your worship. Yes, Lord, receive our worship. We're going to say that in just a minute before we respond. Band, you can come on up. I want to read to you Romans 8, and I want us to understand God's nature And I want want us to understand that our eternity hangs in the balance of who God is and how we respond to God. For those of you who don't know if you're saved by Jesus, don't know where you're going to go in eternity, all you have to do is look at the cross. But looking at the cross is one thing. Receiving the work on the cross is another. You can look all you want and see and acknowledge it. You can taste and see that God is good. But until you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, take over. May your love forgive my sins and come and live within me. If you do that, genuinely and sincerely, in your own words, the Bible says, you will be saved. You will be saved and live forever with him. And the mark and the confirmation of that here and now is that your life will start to change because his loving presence will abide in you. And where his loving presence abides in you, sin cannot exist. That's why you get convicted. That's why you know right from wrong. And that's why we need to respond and say, Jesus, forgive me. And that's when his love overflows our lives. That's why he is grieved when someone says, Lord, forgive me. But you keep beating yourself up. 
You think you're worthless. You are worth his love because he said so. So that's why we respond. Let's read Romans 8. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things to come present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you stand? I want us to read this together. And then we're going to go into God, we worship you. But let's read Romans 8 together. Here we go. Loud and strong. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, come on, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, of God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we say together, let's read this together. God, we worship you, for you are holy, righteous, sovereign, eternal, never changing. Lord, receive our worship. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.